are going to be uh, starting a new sermon uh, series, Journey to the Empty Tomb, and this is going to lead us up to uh, Easter. Easter is only four weeks away. Can you believe that? And I, and I, and I want to share that because right now I want you to be thinking, all right, I want you to be thinking of a neighbor, of a friend, of a co-worker that you can be intentional with about saying, you know, will you, maybe for the very first time, will you come to church with me? Because I can promise you the gospel message will be preached. And they say percentage-wise, 8 out of 10 people will say, yes, I will go with you all right, if you just ask me. So I want to I encourage you and challenge you uh, even right now to start thinking about that person, maybe that person that kind of scares you and like, man, there's no way I want to ask them to go to church or whatever it might be, that, that God would right now start stirring uh, your heart for the lostness around you and that you might have... Uh, the courage to say, hey, I, I want you to come with me. I want you to come with me as, as my guest, and I, and I want to come, and I want to love on you uh, in that way. Uh, but this morning, as we start this series, uh, Journey to the Empty Tomb, uh, as I was reading this week, it, it really God really captured my heart that as we read God's Word, as we read the Old Testament and the New Testament, and how God is he's got a plan, He's got a purpose, and His divine plan, His divine purpose, and as God sent uh, Jesus into this world, it, it really hit me, and, I, and I've heard it before, but it really captured my heart uh, this week that God chooses, listen to this, God chooses to use you and me to be a part of building His kingdom. Have you ever thought of it that way, that God chooses to use you and he chooses to, me, to use me to build his kingdom? And the story that, that really came to my heart this week was, was in John chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to be kind of all over the New Testament this morning, so bear with me as we uh, lay this foundation for the coming of Christ in Scripture and many of you know of a man by the name of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, he was someone who uh, the Old Testament speaks about, but he would be the one, he would be the precursor, he would be the one that would come before Jesus and that he would, he would kind of lay the groundwork, literally that he would prepare the way for the Lord. And, and, I, and I love this story because I think that God has chosen you and me to prepare the way for the Lord in people's lives. This really hit home as we were in the Middle East, and I think about this as, as somebody shared, we were sitting down at a coffee shop with these two Muslim men, and you can tell God has been just stirring their hearts. And one has gotten to the point where he has pretty much abandoned Islam, and he thinks, you know, his, his whole question is, is there really a God? Is there really a God who, who loves me? Is there really a God that gives peace and gives joy? Because here's the reason he's asking those questions, because he has never experienced peace and joy in their lives. And in that moment, it was so convicting because they were like, you know, the missionary was like, well, here's a pastor. Ask all the questions you want. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I felt so uh, convicted. I felt so kind of undermined in a sense, like, you know, God used me here. And I was praying and I was praying and I was praying. And I probably had some silly answers to some of their questions or whatever, but I just pray that, that God would use those moments in our lives as we, as Christ followers, have an opportunity to prepare 
the way for the Lord and people's lives around us. John chapter 1, verse 1. Let's read that together. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who he believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray together this morning. God, we, we come before you. And God, thank you for this opportunity that we have as Christ followers, Lord, that we even have just as Americans, Father, to come and to gather freely, Lord, and to leave this place and to talk about you no matter where we go, on the streets, on the, on the job place, or wherever it might be. God, I pray, Lord, that, Lord, you will challenge us. Lord, that we will be a reflection of you to those around us, God. And I pray this morning that you would speak through your word and that you would encourage us, Father, Lord, I want to pray, Lord, as, as other churches are even meeting right now, God, as the gospel message is being preached, Lord, that you right now are starting to change lives, that you are starting to transform us from the inside out. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, John the Baptist... His parents were old, all right? You know, if, if, if the verse said it, that they're old as dirt, all right? There was a man by the name of Zechariah. There's a woman by the name of Elizabeth. And, and the God's Word says that they were really, really old, all right? And they just thought that there was no way that God would bring them a child. Zechariah was a priest. And many of us know this story. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but just want to give you a little background of really what's going on in this story. And, and it says that the, that the angels came to Zechariah and said, you know, you were going to have a child, and he, and he pretty much laughs, all right? We don't know how old he was, but we just know he was old. That's like someone coming to like an 85-year-old man and be like, hey, by the way, you're going to have a child. And you're like, there ain't no way. I mean, there, there is just no way. And it's that understanding. There's like this physically, all right, scientifically, scientifically cannot take place. But God says, no, 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 no. I am going to use this young boy. I, and you're going to call him John, which is very interesting because in the Old Testament, in the biblical times, the son always took the name of the father. And so all of a sudden takes place, Zechariah has a hard time believing, and God's like, you know what, I'm just going to not let you speak for the rest of this time. 
And so, and the women's like, man, that would be so awesome. You know what I mean? Like, that would be wonderful. You know what I mean? Because I always gave my wife a hard time. I was always having back labor and stuff while she was pregnant, and my back was always giving her a hard time about that. And, and for nine months, Zechariah, he doesn't speak, and, the, and John comes out, and they're, and they're talking to John. And he writes down on a tablet, like, his name is going to be John, and he is going to be the one that will be the precursor. He will prepare the way for the Lord. What if, what if we thought of our children that way? Those that we raise up in the name of, of, of Christ Jesus and, and our preparation for them is that they would be boys and girls who would prepare the way for the Lord and that would be the intentional part as we raise them is to raise them in the ways of God and to teach them the Word of God so that when they come to of age, when they start making their own choices, that they would choose Christ and that they would prepare the way for those around them to know God. Can you imagine the pressure of John the Baptist here? He gets to that age. We don't know what age he is or the age of understanding. Maybe it's 7, 8, 9, 10. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, John the Baptist, you know what I mean? Like, you have got a purpose and plan for your life. You are the one that's going to prepare the way for the risen king. Anybody else a little nervous at all? Like, you know, I better not mess up. I better be careful what I say. I better be careful what I watch, who I hang out with, what I do. And I started thinking about this, like, oh, God. What if I took on that understanding that your life for me is to prepare the way for your kingdom to be built? And that I would watch the words that come out of my mouth, that I would watch what I do, what I, what I see and who I hang out with and, what I, and all of these things, that I would be so intentional because here's the thing, God's calling for your life and for my life is the same that John the Baptist had. And sometimes we think, you know, well, he, was, he must have been a professional Christian. You know, he must have got paid for that. He must have been a seminary graduate. We'll see here in a minute. He was just one little dude, all right? And he even says it. He was one little dude that had a purpose and plan, and he believed it with all of his heart, and it changed the way he lived his life. Prepare the way for the Lord. And I was thinking about that. What if you and I, how does that take place in our lives? How do we prepare the way for the Lord? How do we open doors as we know? And here's the thing I came to. We don't. We don't open those doors. We don't open the heart of mankind. And that takes a lot of pressure off of you and me because when I was in that conversation with those two Muslim guys and they were asking me questions, I was sweating bullets, all right? Maybe it was because I was drinking coffee, all right? But I was sweating bullets because I thought to myself, man, I've got to say the right thing. If I don't explain this in a way where they understand it, they might die and go to hell. And even in the midst of that, God was like, Brandon, you think way too highly of yourself. My spirit must be actively working in the lives of those who don't know him. And it is the spirit of God who opens those doors. But that doesn't give us the right to say, you know what, I'm just not going to do it. The spirit of God, if that's, if that's all his doing, you know, he can have it and I'm out. And that's what many of us do. And I've been there in my life. 
If the Spirit of God is working, He doesn't need me. No, 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 no. God chooses to work in and through our lives. God chooses, as we will see in these weeks to come, to establish His church, to be His mouthpiece so that you and I can prepare the way as we build the kingdom of God through the Spirit's leading. So how do you and I, how do we prepare ourselves to be an instrument used of God? We surrender our lives. We surrender our lives. We, we give our lives and, and we lay it at the feet of Christ and say, God, I want you to use all of me. I, I want you to work in and through my life just as John the Baptist surrendered and as he makes choices that change the world forever. So how do we prepare our lives? We, we surrender. Doesn't that seem the opposite? You know, it seems like we need, to, we need to prepare. We need to take some classes. We need to learn one, two, three, four, five. We need to have all of these things. And here's the thing. We need, as God's Word, always be prepared to share the hope we have in Christ. So I'm not talking about overlooking why you believe what you believe, as Nathan shared. I'm not talking about doing our prep work and understanding why we believe the things that we do and how it has transformed our life. But what I'm saying is it's the Spirit's leading in our lives that's going to open doors, that's going to open hearts, that is going to change lives. The second thing we see that John the Baptist did in Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, we're going to read that very quickly. I said we're going to be over the, uh, kind of all over the New Testament this morning. Mark chapter 1, verse 1, it starts there. It says, beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, it was foretold, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, speaking of John the Baptist. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight pass for him. Verse 4 says, and so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 5, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not even worthy to stoop down and to untie. Here's, here's one thing. John the Baptist allowed the Spirit of God to work actively in his life. The second thing that took place was, is he lived a life open to the Spirit's leading. When is, let, me, let me ask you a question. When is the last time you felt God speaking to you? Like he impressed something on your heart and your mind and you felt like, God, I, I need to make some changes. I need to go and speak to this person. I need to go on a mission trip. I need to do this. I need to do that. Because here's the thing. Many times in our lives, I love our busy culture. But many times our busy culture can be a detriment to being intentional to the gospel message. Because I can fill my life with so many things. The time I get up from getting my kids to school, to going to work, to doing these things, doing lunch meetings, to doing baseball and softball and soccer and all of these things that go on to Saturday and then to Sunday, and I won't speak about that right now, all right? But here's the thing. Our lives can be consumed by so many things that we miss the Spirit's leading in our lives because you and I, even me, myself, 
am not taking, am I right, or not am not, taking time to hear his voice. John the Baptist, he was spirit-filled. He was spirit-led. You see, John the Baptist knew 12, Romans 12 too, which says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And here's my question for you and I. Anybody ever asked the question, what's God's will for my life? Any, anybody been there before? And sometimes I used to think that, you know, God just doesn't want me to know. Like he's playing a trick on me and, you know, I don't, I, he doesn't want me to know his will. He wants me to do this and that. And my question for us this morning is, is why are we not hearing from God? Because God's word says he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And if he speaks through his people, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, why am I not hearing it sometimes? Why are you not hearing that sometimes? Just maybe your life and my life, we are conforming to the pattern of the world. You see, many times we need to look in the mirror and say, God, what is it in me? Have I gotten so wrapped up in, in these things in my life and you know, everyone's doing it, you know, and it's infiltrated the church and, and all of these things? Or can we look and say, God, I want you to search my life. I want you to search me. Is there anything in me that I am conforming? Listen to this. That I am conforming to the pattern of this world? Am, am I clouding up my life so that I cannot hear you speaking because of the choices and the things that I am doing in my life? John the Baptist some people thought he was kind of a crazy dude. He actually lived out in the wilderness and he, and he ate locusts. And I'm not, I'm not saying you need to go and sell it all and go live out on some place somewhere, go to the desert or whatever it might be. But here's the thing. The same God that was working in the life of John the Baptist, the same one that was calling John the Baptist, the same one who had a purpose for John the Baptist is the same one that is calling and wanting you to be used of him. I love what Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 says. It says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Aye. <laughs> I mean, I, I can even think this morning, like, you know, has my conduct been worthy of the gospel of Christ? My wife was asleep when I left, so there was no argument there. I'm good there, okay? And my kids were asleep, so we didn't have to. I'm, I'm good there. As I drove through McDonald's, did I, did I treat them with love and respect as I picked up my large coffee with 10 creams? I mean, as we start, here's the thing. As we start being intentional in life, those things will actually mean something to us. We will start viewing those people not just for someone serving you food or, or whatever it might be. We will start viewing them for someone that God loves in a deep and passionate way and wants to know them and work in and through their lives just as much as he's working in through your lives. 
You see, God starts transforming us. That's the Spirit's job. He transforms us. He sanctifies us. And as He's making us more like Him, we start viewing the outside world just a little bit differently every single day. John the Baptist, he was Spirit-led. He did not conform to the pattern of the world around him. And listen to this. He always pointed people to Christ. He didn't have always the right answers. He pointed people to Christ. It's like when Jesus healed the blind man. Hey, hey, blind man, what happened? Man, I, I don't know, but now I was blind, but now I can see. I mean, that was his testimony. He always pointed people to Christ. John 1, 19 through 23 says this. Now, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, uh, Listen to this, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. That wasn't very difficult. That was not even a theologian answer there. Who are you? man? I'm, I'm just a godly man just trying to present who the gospel message is. And I love this, like, you are, are you a prophet? No. Are you Elijah? No. Are you seminary trained? No. Are you a professional Christian? No. I am just one little dude that believes in a very big God and believes in the purpose that he's given me, and I want to live every single second of that out in a manner that honors God. I don't want to be conformed by the pattern of the world. Like, I've got a purpose for my life. What if, listen to this. I, I am convicted by this because this is a matter. I think this was written for me. What if you and I lived our lives that way? That we believe the purpose that God wants to work in and through your life. Would we talk differently? I'm not talking church talk. I'm not talking Sunday morning church. You know what I'm talking about. Would we live where we live? Would we have the job that we have? Would we raise our kids differently? Would we watch different movies at the movie theater? I'm just throwing some things out there. Would we listen to different music? Would we change our schedules? John the Baptist, he always pointed people to Christ. Number four, John the Baptist was steadfast in his stance. Anybody ever get nervous when you were sharing with someone and they start kind of like pushing back at you a little bit? I've, I've, I've been there. I just happened to me last week. It was interesting. <clears throat> we were having a conversation, and these guys were very intelligent. Um, I'm, just, I'm not that intelligent. I'm just not. Never been a very studious guy, very simple guy. Um, and as I was just sharing, just some, just some personal convictions, some personal reasons of why Jesus is Lord in my life and why I follow him and all of these things, and they're like, Thanks for sharing, but I want some scientific proof of why God is who He is. And I'm like, oh, Lord. I mean, I did. I was like in panic. I was. I was like, you know, I tried to say a few things here and there, and then finally God was like, Brandon, calm down. I've, 
I've, I've got this. I've got this. It does make me want to go learn more and those sorts of things. Don't get me wrong. Because I want to be prepared for having an answer for someone. But in that moment, God was like, Brandon, whoa, 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 whoa. You're taking this burden, and this is not your burden. I have asked you to be obedient. I have asked you to, yes, also be prepared to share. But you're taking on way too much responsibilities for this conversation as I'm sweating bullets, and I'm sure y'all have been there before. John the Baptist was steadfast. Luke chapter 3, verse 7 says this. Different eye view accounts of what takes place. It says, John said to the crowds, coming out to be baptized by him, he says this to him, he goes, You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? He says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as your father. So here's what's taking place here. I mean, these guys are like, man, I believe the message. You know, I'm, I want to repent. I want to be baptized. And then they start living off of what their fathers have done. Like, you know what? One time thing, I'm good to go. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't care if your father is Billy Graham. Billy Graham will not save you. Billy Graham's walk for you does not do it for you. Your conviction here, the fruit of the Spirit, should be actively working in, in your life. And it should be in display for all for to, those to see because they, it's like a one-time thing. Have you heard that before in church? And just say this prayer, man, you're good to go. Here's your get-out-of-hell-free card. And God's like, there's so much more than that. I want to every day, I want to work in and through your life through the Spirit's leading to transform you, to make, me, make you more and more like me. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4 says, But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing people, but God who tests our hearts. I can think of times in my life where I have made decisions and choices because I was trying to please someone. Anybody been there before? And really in that moment, I, I, didn't, I didn't so much care if it went along with the word of God. I was really just trying to please that person. We make decisions. And I love how because Paul is speaking to the church of Thessalonica and he's saying, no, 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 no. Your stand must be firm on the gospel message. You should not waver from this. You speak truth not caring particularly what people around you might say. John the Baptist, he was spirit-led. He did not conform. He pointed people to Christ. He was steadfast in his walk with God. And lastly, his obedience led to a rich harvest. In John chapter 1, verse 35, it says, The next day John was there again with his two disciples. And I, and I love this because it kind of fast-forward just a little bit where... He had people that he was discipling, people that he was walking beside, nurturing, helping them grow in their walk with God. And it says, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, listen to this, I love this. They followed Jesus. 
Now, I know some churches, and I struggle with this, you know, be like, whoa, 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 you're my disciple. Like, I did the work here. You know, what are you doing following after Jesus? You're my church people. No, 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 you stay here. You do this. and get, No, 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 I love this because it says in that moment, he points to Jesus. There's the Lamb of God. There's the one who's saved. There's the one who takes away the sin. There's the one who transforms lives. There's the one who wants to sanctify our lives. And I love this. It says that they started following Jesus. Verse 38, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. He says, Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So, that, so they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. You see what's taking place here? There's one man who was committed to following after Jesus. And I can promise you right now, when you are committed to the things of God, when you are obedient to the things of God, God will use that to glorify His name and to... The kingdom is being built right here. There was two disciples who followed Jesus, who went and got their brother, and all of these things. And this is how the disciples are starting to transform, taking place here. He's starting to build His team that will change the world forever. Our calling this morning is the same calling that God had for John the Baptist. God's word says that I want you, I want you Christ followers, I want you to be my witnesses. And, and, I, and I, want, I want you to be my witnesses, I want you to, I want you to do it right here. I want you to do it in Oklahoma City. I want you to do it in, in the United States. And I want you to do it all around the world. I want you to be my witnesses. So maybe this morning you are just feeling discouraged. You are feeling down and out. And you feel like you haven't heard from God. You feel like God has abandoned you. I want you to know the purpose and calling in your life has not Change. The question for you and for me is, is how can we use our current status in life? How can we use our job? How can we use us as being a parent? How can we use our influence? Because here's the thing, our purpose and calling is all the same. But it's going to play out differently depending on where you are, where you live, what job you have. So the question is not so much what is my purpose and calling because God's word is very clear. Your purpose and calling is to be my witnesses. Like that, that's it. It's not that difficult. And I know it gets scary. I understand that. I know we sweat bullets sometimes when we get in those conversations. But our desire and our purpose and our plan for your life and for my life is to be God's witnesses for those around us. I'm going to ask Wesley to come back up as we close. And here's the question I want, you to, I want you to wrestle with with the Lord. Right now, this afternoon, this evening, this week. How can your life, how can my life,
How can we make this a priority? Not, not, not just a thought, yeah, okay, yeah. Answered. That this would be the one thing that just stirs our hearts and our minds. This would be the one thing that just drives us. God, how can I make you, how can I make you and you alone the priority in my life? You see, sometimes that doesn't mean changing what we're doing. It, it means transforming our minds so that we are in Christ Jesus, so that when we go to these places, when we go and coach T-ball, we, we go to these things, how can I use this influence? How can I use this intersection with all of these lost people? How can I get past T-ball? You see what I'm talking about? How can I get past this and start rubbing in some conversations about Jesus? Rather than being scared, thinking it was a fun thing. God, how can I intersect you in this conversation? How can I intersect you in this job? But so many of us are instilled by fear that we won't move. And God is saying, go. Simply go and be my witnesses. Let's pray together. Father, God, my heart has been stirred. God, I pray for the people in this room have heard your word, Father. Not mine, your word, God. That maybe for the first time that many might say, I didn't even know I had a purpose for my life. Lord, that they would dive into your word and that through the Spirit's leading and guiding in their lives, that they would be stirred and prompted to be intentional with their lives so that you and I can build your kingdom, God, that we will point people to you and that they might follow after you. God, thank you. Thank you for what you are doing. God, we want to see you do more. And just as John the Baptist's message was very simple, repent. Turn from your sins, turn from your ways and take on salvation and take on the purpose and the joy and all those things that come with knowing you. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, as we are getting out of here, uh, be thinking not only about this question, but be thinking about that person those people that you want to be intentional with, start praying for them. You never know what God's going to do. Those people who don't know God or don't go to church and maybe, maybe, maybe for the first time they can hear the gospel message. Amen? Awesome. Thank you guys for coming. Y'all have an awesome, awesome afternoon.